You're listening to The Brilliant Ones Podcast with me, your host, Donnie Adams, a show about entrepreneurs and the companies they build. Join me weekly as I speak with entrepreneurs from all over who share their experiences and advice on the companies they created. And be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram at The Brilliant Ones. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Brilliant Ones Podcast with me, your host, Donnie Adams, where I speak with entrepreneurs and the companies they build. We have a special guest in the building, Zoe, Tony. Appreciate you coming. CEO and founder Absolutely. of uh, Lead Origin. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Donnie. Yeah, appreciate you coming through, man. This is this is nice, man. And I think what I'm super excited about is, I mean, the companies you build at such a young age, right? And, yeah. And you're like, what, 20, 22, 23? 23. 23. Yeah. Bro, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I get that's the first reaction I usually get. Wow. And you know what's so funny? I remember when I was like 23 years old, I was, you know, just getting started in tech sales. And it wasn't until like a few years later that I realized, you know what, I think I want to do this entrepreneur thing, right? And start businesses. I mean, at what point did you realize like that for you? Man, my uh, entrepreneur journey was very, it was instilled in me from my father. So we come from a very entrepreneurial family. And I was an immigrant here in the United States. I came here when I was like roughly three years old. And uh, my father was uh, an entrepreneur himself. He was in the gas station business. And uh, I mean, I saw my dad work from 8 a.m. to 3 a.m. every day for the first four or five years of my life. Uh, And he just was a very hard worker. And then, you know, as I grew up, you know, I was very fortunate to see, you know, the fruits of his labor. And uh, it showed me that if you work hard, you're able, you're capable of achieving anything you like. Right, whatever you kind of set your mind to. My father is a middle school dropout, you know, from back home. And, and he's from a village in Pakistan where till this day, they don't have 24-hour electricity. Till this day, they don't have centralized air conditioning. Till this wow. day, they don't have centralized plumbing, wow. you know. So he comes from that. And, uh, you know, when uh, seeing him come to America and make his American dream come true, you know, it instead of making me lazy, it made me want to work harder. And, um, you know, and, and we just had a very entrepreneurial family. So at a young age, man, I was, uh, I grew up in, uh, a leaf. Uh, so it was just very hustler mentality there. Right. right. And, uh, you know, I started, you know, just slanging chips and candy in like the fourth <laughs> grade, you know, and actually on the, uh, what I was doing, uh, was, uh, my dad has the gas station business. So I used to take his cigarettes right. and sell it at school. Right, right, right. Everyone, you know, we were young and like, oh, child smoking all this dumb shit so yeah, yeah, yeah. that's uh you know i i kind of you know started off like that and as i grew older i got really big into like the sneaker culture and stuff mm-hmm. and i started just flipping jays and things like that so i was buying jordans like when the concords drop i went and bought like 20 pairs of them through like connects i built over the years wow. yeezys i mean different pairs you know sneakers right. that i knew were gonna move right and uh, i right. built you know relationships with people at these stores Friends used to work at like Foot Locker and stuff. Right. I used to plug everybody in. If you took care of me, I took care of you. And that's kind of like how I really started my entrepreneurial journey. So it was just kind of like really embedded in me. And yeah. what really made it spark was roughly when I was about 15 years, 14, 15 years old, my father's uh, business partners kind of like screwed him over and they uh, cut him off pretty much, right? Like changed the name on the lease. It, well, since wow. uh, we were immigrants, we didn't, we actually, I didn't get my citizenship till I was 17 years old. So wait, so did your father know English? Did he speak English pretty well? No. Okay. No English, nothing. Yeah. Like came to America, a couple thousand, you know, thousand, two thousand bucks in his pocket. Wow. Came a year before I came. Yeah. Right. Established, the, made some sort of establishment. And we actually, uh, when we, me and my cousin, who's also my co-founder, business partner and everything, I right. uh, considered my younger brothers and it was Bilal. 
uh, we uh, lived in a one-bedroom apartment, uh, all nine of us wow. growing up. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, like my father came, established some sort of, pre- like, you know, some sort of income, yeah. brought us out. And yeah, that's uh, kind of like his little story. Right. And so when, when, so when did you, were you able to, did you speak English when you came to America? English was my second language. English was your second yeah, language. Yeah. So I went okay. to like, I went to ESL and learned English, things okay. like that. Yeah. Wow. So uh, I, I read that you, you started, one of your businesses was like uh, skinny jeans, right? Yeah. So my first ever, uh, like, I guess you'd say a product that really did well was biker jeans. Okay. So I was basically <laughs> able to, uh, so Kanye dropped like the easy ones. Yeah, yeah. Right at the time, this is like, man, it was a couple of years ago, man. This is right. when I was 13, so like a decade ago or whatnot. And uh, he started rocking them with uh, Balmain jeans, which were essentially uh, biker jeans, where they were like uh, typical, uh, like a padding on the knee. Right. And uh, no one at the time was really selling them other than Balmain. I think they were like 1400 1500 yeah. at that time. Was, no one's spending the shoes didn't cost that. Not, nothing you wore cost that much, right? right? Of course. So, uh, you know what i did was i went on alibaba and i was like hey could you know i went and found a whole bunch of manufacturers negotiated some pricing yeah. with like wechat and stuff and i uh, found someone that could make them for like 58 dollars and i was selling them for like 150 to 200 right uh online and i did really well and uh yeah that's i started that company when i was like 13 that was like my first legit company that i've ever built wow and, and that was that's drop shipping pretty much i had inventory oh you so had that inventory. Was, it was oh, a little okay. different i actually got into drop shipping after that so my brother right. uh, Bilal, he actually started drop shipping before me so he was doing retail arbitrage from uh aliexpress to ebay yeah and this is way back before there's any guru on instagram selling a course for a thousand bucks before yeah. any of that stuff existed yeah right. and he figured this out yeah. and he was like yo i figure out a way where we can do e-commerce and don't have to worry about inventory because our biggest problem was we didn't have the capital to buy a bulk load of inventory. We didn't have the capital for in-house logistics. We didn't have any of that. Right. I read you guys were using your allowance or something like that. Yeah, yeah. We started off like the whole our whole business like started off with our allowance, right? Like yeah. whatever we were getting like twenty bucks a month, twenty bucks a month from our parents, and like wow. that's what we used to like feed our ads and stuff like that. Yeah. But it was really cheap then. I think uh, Facebook was still like in that early stage. Yeah, of, it was like, uh, testing yeah, out advertisers. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So yeah. we actually, I mean, we've been using Facebook ads, God knows, since probably started yeah. Facebook and Google ads for a while as well. But I actually, I learned advertising through fa- through Facebook ads, and then I got I understood how to do like Google ads and Google ad campaigns and things like that. Right. And so, so how long did you run the like uh, the gene business till you realized, okay, man, the gene business I ran. So right before I probably got into high school, I started in like seventh grade, and I pretty much sold it on this website called Flippa.com. Where you can yeah, no, I know Flippa. Yeah, actually, yeah. before I got into uh, drop shipping, I was looking at like businesses on Flippa that yeah. I was going to like take and like build up and sell them. And I was yeah. gonna, I was going to do that, but then someone kind of told me Flippa, some of the businesses may be kind of scam. You got to really do your due diligence. Yeah, you have to do due diligence. So yeah. I actually ended up selling that business on uh Flippa and I walked away with a good hefty profit and then we were uh me and Bilal were pretty much and how we got into like uh Bilal was already doing his own thing separately. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. And pretty much how we started all this was through our allowance and our like our savings as a 13 year old kid right like yeah, yeah, right. not non-existent <laughs> yeah, right? yeah so you know and that's that's what really funded our you know our savings what really funded our uh our few businesses and it was just you know an accumulation of buying and selling and buying and selling e-commerce businesses and 
yeah, I mean, we pretty much after the after the after Bilal had that bar, that, that the light bulb moment, like, yeah. yo, we don't got all any inventory, we yeah, don't need yeah. any logistics. Yeah, yeah. All we gotta do is sell the product and then tell them to ship it out, and we yeah, make yeah. the money in between. Right. So we were like, oh, cool. So if we have a great cost for acquisition, if it takes us five bucks to sell it, the margin's fifteen. We make ten. Yeah. Right. With no visible, you know, no work. Right. Essentially, right. like no no headache of inventory. So we started a company called Withport, and what it was was essentially um, uh, e-commerce creation company. And we would create different e-commerce brands. I mean, we had a brand called Maze Accessories, which was like a one at the time when chokers came out. We were like dropshipping chokers. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, the one for like, you know, uh, urban streetwear called, you know, we had multiple, we had like eight brands for just urban streetwear because I was like really good in that niche because my whole, you know, my whole, you know, every business I did was in that niche, right? Yeah, so right. we did that and then we had like eight brands. One was like Disturbing Hype. I think that was our, I think our first six-figure store in sales a month. Wow. Right. And we're basically just selling like jackets, windbreakers, bomber jackets and stuff like that. Just dropshipping clothing for right. brands. So we, we, you know, we had, we created probably like 50, 60 brands. Right? right. And like my, my job was always like creative direction, web development, stuff of that nature, more in the creative role. My brother was more in the technical role. So he was doing like more of the SEO optimization, the Google ads, the conversions tracking and all that, setting all that stuff up. Right. No, that stuff, that stuff's not easy. I mean, I'm assuming you, you, you taught yourself that, right? Yeah. You went YouTube through. videos. Yeah. I mean, we, I essentially learned marketing and my main business right now is still digital marketing. Uh, I learned it self-taught with my own, with my own dollars, with my own, you know, for my own businesses. Right. No, man, that, that's impressive. And you know what's so funny even now, like with there's so much resources on YouTube, you know, you can get certifications and things and it's easy to kind of, you know, like anyone can kind of learn the skills of marketing. And, Absolutely. And yeah, it's just like, like now, and what you see now too is a lot of like, coding right a lot of people learning how to build websites right because these are skills that are just in high demand today i yeah, mean 100%. so how were you able to identify that like early on and say okay i think this is something that i like doing or you just did you see that as this is going to be the future i need to get good at this so um how we 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 were doing digital marketing before we knew we were doing digital marketing right Right. So like, I don't even know what marketing was, but I was right. doing like Facebook. And this was early marketing. Instagram too, right? Like yeah, I'm assuming yeah. this like, is like this is like when Instagram had just first came out. Yeah. 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 Right? So I don't even think Instagram had video at the time. Yeah. And you were still in high school, right? I was in high school. Yeah. Wow, yeah. man. I mean, so, so, <laughs> so did, you get, did, you get, did you get a chance to go to like high school parties or no? No, not really. I mean, I did. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I did. I had my fun. Yeah. You know, right, I have right. a very good model of have work hard, play harder. Right. Right. But, uh, I mean, I mean, for the most part, I mean, you ask any of my childhood friends, you can ask my high school counselors, my high school principals, they all know me as the guy that was got in trouble because I was always on my laptop. Yeah. So I just lived on my laptop, but uh, I got away with a lot of stuff because my best friend's mom was a principal of the high school. Oh man, this guy's lucky. And then like my other best friend's mom was, my other best friend's dad was like the dean and this, that, yeah. and other. So I was plugged in. So I was like, you know, I'd get in trouble. Yeah. I go to my boy's mom. Like, right. <laughs> she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm working. And then she obviously understood. Yeah. And, you know, I just had a lot of people that supported me. So. I was able to yeah you know, right get away with a lot of things that most people probably wouldn't have yeah no that, that no that's good and so you go going back to saying okay I, we were doing digital marketing before we realized it was digital marketing yeah and, and so at what point did you, did you all like pivot and say okay I think we're gonna focus heavily on just digital so marketing. we pivoted because we damn near went broke so my brother and I launched a brand called Wirenetic uh, this was like probably senior year of high school we uh, it was basically Apple stopped making the MagSafe. 
And we what we did was we pretty much hit up a whole bunch of manufacturers in China. Like, hey, we need we need you to make MagSafe chargers and stuff like that for iPhone, MacBooks, and et cetera. Because we're like, oh, wow, there's going to be a lot of people like talking about it. So it'll be a high search volume. There's going to be a high intent for getting this product. So if we just market it right now, we'll just buy, people buy because of the hype. Like right. we just hurry up and do it because that's what we were always doing. Like we did every time we saw trends, we just executed, yeah. and that's like one of my favorite things. I always tell people is just just do it. Don't think about it. Just do it. Right. And you'll figure it out. Right. right. And no, I, I'm such a I 100 percent agree with you because I think so many times what, what I don't like is getting stuck in like paralysis analysis. Yeah, that's like my yeah. biggest fear. And the reason why is because I feel like you don't learn anything in that space, right? And so what I like to do is if I'm starting anything, right, whether it's it's a, it's a business, whether it's a or even it's, it's just something I want to go do, I just say you know what, I'm just gonna go learn do this because uh, it's just just go do it, and it helps you kind of get into the moment. And one of the things that I, I, I took personally was like I took uh, improv class. And it's such a like skill, and I highly recommend it even for infant business because it teaches you just how to be like, just how to be not only be uncomfortable, but learn how to oh, think yeah. quickly on the spot, right? Absolutely. Right, right when someone gives you like a word or 100%. a character to play, you have to kind of become that character. Absolutely. So that's something that I, I learned. But no, I, I 100% agree with you on having that ability to kind of just hundred percent, just kind of you know execute it. Yeah, Don't like what Nike says, it. just do it. Yeah, just <laughs> you know? do it. Right. Yeah. I think so many people think that it has to be perfect. This Never perfect. Yeah, whether you're working out, whether you're uh, building a business, whether yeah. you're working on a project, whether you're thinking about asking for that raise, yeah, right. Whether you're thinking about quitting, you know, my main thing is just do it. You'll figure it out. Yeah, you figure out. You know, like uh, that's the that's uh, that's just my motto, man. Like, yeah. you know, I've uh, I've um, taken a lot of losses, but yeah. those losses honestly were just lesson learned, just right. because I did it. You know? Right. Like even now, you know, we were recently in my current business called Lead Origin, which is a uh, digital, is a growth consulting firm, predominantly focusing on digital marketing and data intelligence. Uh, we uh, we were basically just doing auditing all our stuff, and we like, oh wow, we we was about three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in just trying things out this year so far. Wow. And we're like, you know, most people would be like, that's ridiculous. You gotta, you know, my my uh, my uh, operations manager's are like, you could put that in real estate and you would have, I'm like, hey, I learned something I didn't know. Yeah, right, right. right. And, it, and there's a, there's a, there is a cost behind it, but the lessons, I always, I believe 100% the lessons learned are invaluable. Yeah. You, you learn so much by just doing it, you know, and it's yeah. better to, I'd rather ask for, um, forgiveness and ask for permission. Absolutely. absolutely. That's, like, that's like, that's like, that's our motto. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, man, so we uh, pivoted into the digital marketing space because uh, we were, uh, we had our, yeah, we had the Wirenetic store and it, we lost, uh, well, I don't know, so I was 17 at the time, Bilal was 15 or 16. So this is your senior year, right? Yeah, senior year of high school. So are you, are you thinking about college or are you just thinking about, okay, I'm just going to fully go? I was, uh, I did or... dual credit in high school, so I was already in college in oh, high okay. school. So I was going to HCC part time for the most part, and I was, okay. wasn't really in campus much in high school. Yeah, because in my uh, my school we had like uh, we had uh, dual credit classes, so I was able to take community college community college classes. So I graduated with like damn near my associate's degree. Wow, high school right off the bat from high school. Yeah, right. So um, college was I was like, oh yeah, it was never like something like my parents always wanted me to do it. So it's like I was like, I'm gonna do it until I couldn't do it. Right. That's yeah. kind of like where my falling on point was like I dropped out a year and a half into call into U of H my last semester because at that time it was either scaling my business or go to school. Right. And I was just like, I'm gonna continue scaling my business. I can pick this back up at 25, 26, 27 and finishing in my degree. Yeah. So I wasn't really man college was just like, yeah, if I need it, I'll I'll do it. Right. So now you and your cousin pivoted and you guys started uh Snapwell. 
Yeah, that was our first agency. So basically, Wirenetic was, man, it was at a big loss, man. So I was 17, so I wasn't 18. And when we were filling out the merchant processor information, we were filling it out under uh, my cousin's mom's name, right? And then basically what happened was, the store did really well. We did about almost a little bit over 950,000 revenue within the first three months. Wow. And uh, we were, what ended up happening about, let's say like 60 days into it, the famous processor flagged us because it was like unusual activity. They're like, yo, we need to like inspect, right? And at that time we had like a very small warehouse. Like it was like, it was one of the storage facilities with like a warehouse door and like a little yeah. office, right? right? And we just kept like our hot, dropship products there for like you know if any anybody wants to like a, a quick order or stuff like that or if we need to take somewhere to take in returns and things right so we use that we utilize that little space for like 500 bucks a month as like our little office warehouse type of deal and so they were like oh we need to check out your warehouse we need this we need that uh and like you know it says you're a woman but you have a male voice like a whole bunch of stuff and basically they just audited us and were like yeah this is not who they think they're saying they are and was we were flagged as high risk so what they ended up doing was like returning all the money back wow. and we've already shipped out like majority of the orders on top of that we spent almost like two hundred thousand ad spent right and uh yeah we pretty much like our account got depleted right so we went from thinking that like, yo this store is gonna make oh yeah we made it like this yeah, is yeah, it like yeah, this yeah. like We've never scaled a store that big. I mean, I think the closest store that we did those that fast in three months, maybe did like 150,000 in revenue, 160,000 in revenue. This was that first, this was like, oh, we did it. We finally did this, what people talk about, blah, blah, blah. And this is like when dropship was starting to become a really big thing. Like yeah. Dan DeSilva just dropped a course, this, that, the other, yeah. you know? And uh, we were like, oh, we finally made it, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, we mean pretty much like, we were, you know, deep in the hole. Uh, really big for you know how old we were and we're like shit yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah we gotta we gotta figure something out because a um so my father got screwed over and my uh my cousin he was uh kind of like the primary source of income in his household so it's like a lot of things depended on us at that time at a young age so we're like oh shit we gotta figure out the next we gotta figure out the next move like we gotta we, yeah, we gotta keep this no going choice, we right? gotta you know we can't sit here and dwell upon it we gotta move on right yeah, 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 so we yeah. tried a few other e-commerce stores and stuff like that but at that time e dropshipping got very competitive and stuff and we were just like you know what you know we've done this obviously like we've just taken this let's try something new and you know we 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 were like all right what is going to cost us the least amount of money to start with the highest amount of upside right. and we we're like we're really good at digital marketing we we've done this for like the last five years like what last two three years let's like go big in it like let's just do that as a service right, right. and like you know obviously like get and at that time we used to listen to gary v and he his big business is a digital marketing agency yeah, too right. and i was like you know what like you know this is it like let's try this out let's you know, and not knowing like what a service-based company requires, I just we said fucking and did it, yeah. and we started uh, Snapweb with a third. We had a we started Snapweb, and then we had like a third co-founder, whose uh, marketing agency we kind of joined arms with, and we kind of merged, but we didn't really merge, but we yeah. merged right, and uh, we started Snapweb like that, and that was like our first digital marketing agency. Wow, and you guys grew it to what? Like over yeah, we had like over uh, you know if you if you look at it combined, uh, you know. Over 250 people employed, four offices around the world, um, you know, almost 10 million in rev. Yeah. So it was, a, you know, it was a, it was a, you know, pretty large enterprise that we, you know, we built uh, in the course of about four, four, four years. Wow. 
Man, that's your, that's your four-year degree right there. Right? Yeah, they, and that's what I, you know, always joke about because uh, when we, so the what happened with Snap, we actually ended up, we exited the company. Uh-huh. We basically walked away from it because we had a very, uh, we just didn't have the best uh, a partnership. And right. uh, it was a very, it ended up becoming a very toxic work environment for me. And it was, I was like losing hair and like, I was like, honestly, I was, I would say I was depressed for yeah. sure. And it was taking, a, it was exhausting a lot of energy out of me. So, um, like a year before I actually pivoted, I started COVID testing centers. Like when COVID was peaking, wow. I started COVID testing centers and then that company got acquired and then we started, uh, wait, so even going back to the COVID testing, how do you, how do you start a COVID testing center? Started. No, but like, like uh, we're, we're, we're pro- so we're protocols. A good. So the thing is, you need an NPI license, and then you also need a uh, a doctor on site and stuff. So, uh, in the I had at that time, you know, it was like three years into like in the business. You know, we already had so many clients in healthcare. This that I had enough resources to be able to execute. So, mm-hmm. partnered with a you know great team of guys, and you know we started some, and they did very well, and we were early in the game, and. Mm-hmm. We ended up, you know, if we saw a good opportunity, we took it. So, yeah, especially yeah. out here in Houston too. I mean, yeah, yeah we had could, like, yeah, we had a lot of good locations yeah. uh, throughout Houston, like drive-through locations. So yeah. it was a very low, like, to start it off and stuff. And you know, we we did it before anyone else did it. We were like probably like the first private COVID testing centers. Wow, no man, it's <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah, you, you know, it's so funny too, especially like, you know, hopefully something like that doesn't happen again, right? I mean, but you're able to take. Uh, something that's like during the pandemic right and most people were like losing jobs they were you know out of work and it was just it was a crazy time yeah and here you used to, you know have a bright idea as just being an entrepreneur and say hey you know what i think it's a good idea to start you know testing yeah centers. yeah we did the testing centers we uh, uh bought and sold ppe yeah uh we uh started a vape disposable vape brand uh we opened up our uh i own 15 smoke shops so i opened up my first smoke shop in the pandemic as well yeah and yeah, I mean, I probably opened up. You're you're into vaping. Uh, I don't vape personally. Oh, okay. So I actually don't vape or any anything. I don't do any rec- recreational smoking, like the occasional like hookah at a friend's birthday party. Right, right. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I didn't, but I just saw it as a very low hanging fruit in the yeah. uh, in the retail space because it's a very neglected uh, space, right? Because if you go to like predominant predominantly, if you go to like just smoke shops, they're very shitty built out. They yeah. have just feel like you're going to a crack house. Right. Like, like, <laughs> shitty carpets, <laughs> bullshit, like, you know, showcases, yeah, like, yeah. no proper inventory tracking, no professionalism. Right. And I was just like, and I went to a few smoke shops. I was like, well, how come no one's done this right? Like, you know, and then yeah. coming from like the, grew up in the gas station business, right? I saw gas stations evolve from like these shitty like gas stations that like, you know, you're just like, you know, like shady as shit. And then, yeah. then now you, a lot of gas stations now is like amazing. Like Bucky's for an example, right? Like they're like, there's a cult like following for Bucky's. Oh right? yeah. I love Bucky's. And then, like, Bucky's is great. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then like so many other people have built like these really nice and vibrant and welcoming and aesthetically pleasing gas stations. So I was like, you know what? Well, I'm going to do that to the smoke shops. And that's what I did pretty much. And I built like, you know, like my model was like, I want to be the Chick-fil-A in terms of service and yeah. Apple store in terms of the look and feel. Yeah. And we opened up our first smoke shop in like Fulcher, Texas and like this very, uh, uh, just like not, not very populated place, but I just, uh, I knew that it's going to, you know, this was a great location, great visibility, great income, you know, all the different variables I look, look at when I choose a location. And I was like, this is it. And we opened that location up until this date's my highest performing store out of all 15 stores. Wow. No, that's, that's impressive. 
I think one of the things too you, you see a lot is not, not only in like like smoke shops, but like even in certain like areas, you see like a, a, a big thing with um, uh, like I'll say um, what's I'm trying to think of I can't even think of the word right now. Like like certain like shopping centers, right? Yeah, and like. Uh, were you focusing primarily on just those shopping centers, right? Or like, 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 as far as like shopping centers, making sure you have the right location for real estate. Yeah. So I mean, important? you know, one of the biggest things you're told is location, location, location. Right. But you know, a lot of people usually mean that like visibility, how to get in, how to get out, this, that, and the other. And obviously, you gotta you gotta find a practical location. But honestly, what I did was like I went on Google, I saw the search volume for like, you know, because you can't really see the search volume for like smoke shop, vapes and stuff like that. Right. But I was just looking, you know, I just I forgot what I did a few different like just to understand like the demand of the area. Yeah, uh, it was a very good average income was like one twenty a year. You know, average household was one four hundred stuff like that. So I knew like it's a very affluent and it's a very affluent neighborhood. It's yeah. uh, there's nothing to do there. It's like thirty minutes away, forty minutes away from the city of Houston. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's there was at that time no smoke shop in that area for six miles. Yeah, uh, six mile radius. So um, I was just like, I'm going to bite the bullet and do it. And uh, yeah, the centers, I mean, of course, I always look for like more modern, up-to-date centers because our brand yeah. has to resonate with our brand. Right, like, right. We have very premium build-outs. Like I spend upwards of 100000 just opening, just building out that store because we do like really nice flooring. Uh, we make it a very contemporary and uh, good light fixtures. And all of, of course, all these things have associated costs to them. Yeah, of course. No, no that, that's, that's pretty neat. And then so how, how how did like Lead Origin come come about? So uh, after we left uh, SnapWeb, right, we were like, we need to see the thing is whatever I whatever I needed to execute, I needed a strong marketing arm, right? I'm a firm believer that marketing is you can have a terrible product, but if you market it right, you'll make money. Yeah. Right. Right. And if you have a great product and you have great marketing, you build a lifelong brand. Right. And then obviously, like why why all these companies, why all these large enterprises, these Fortune 500 consumer products and even in the B2B space, why these companies are constantly trying to be in front of your face is because they want you to. It's just human. It's a science. Right. Psychology. Yeah, yeah, right? psychology. To get someone to buy, you got to stay got to see you know, on average on a consumer product they have to see your product nine times. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like whatever I do, I need I need a marketing arm. Right. right. So what I wanted to do was uh, lead origin started because uh, there's two reasons why we started lead origin. We started lead origin. We didn't want to just be another consulting firm, actually. Uh, we're in the process of building out a SaaS. So Lead Orders did pretty much transform into a software company. But we were a wanting to kind of like make a frictionless digital marketing agency. We're kind of like an e-commerce and uh, just super frictionless and everything's like managed online and you pretty much deal with everything very seamlessly without having to because like well typically when you're trying to find a marketing agency right you're going to go on to go and search digital marketing best digital marketing agencies and you get a whole bunch of marketing agents you're going to do your due diligence look at the reviews look at their g2 look at their you know all the different uh, sub sites for reviews and you're going to see all right great what is um you know how what is, are they good or not right and then you look at their work you look at their portfolio you're gonna look at their case studies this that, and the other and they're gonna contact them now their salesperson gonna reach out they're gonna talk to a salesperson you're gonna sit there and they're gonna pitch you yeah, yeah. intro call they're gonna pitch you then you're gonna close you're gonna get onboarded the onboarding is gonna take two three weeks all of these 50 60 logins and this that and yeah, the other yeah. they're gonna share over and share these assets and that and then they have to intake that and organize it and they're gonna go and review everything and then make a strategy and then tell you the strategy you get approved <laughs> Like it's like for something that's supposed to be so innovative, it is such a um, 
something to be something that's supposed to be so innovative is such a lengthy process and like just so old school right. so we're like we gotta like we've done this for so long now we gotta make we gotta make the agency of the future we gotta we can go on the website you like us you can write that in there sign up for all of our services you plug in with somebody and you can pretty much go through the whole process so we want you know our biggest thing was like all right cool we need to start an agency for aid for to be like the marketing machine for all of our other organizations and then b because we actually want to revolutionize the space digital marketing is growing just as fast as the ai industry is growing right people are more and more people more and more businesses need digital marketing there's 29 million businesses in the united states right at one point or another digital marketing will no longer be a luxury it's the only way you're going to be able to get your business out there yeah. right and that might take five ten years but that's going to happen and it is what i know this it's who i am that's what most people know me for so i was like i can't just leave the space so i started lead origin uh for those those reasons uh, because I also have other 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 uh, plans, like you know, I've, I'm still conceptualizing a lot of things, but I want to be able to, you know, um, I want to be able to build out SaaS, like how we were doing with e-commerce, but I want to do it with SaaS now, because right. the SaaS violations are insane. These SaaS companies go for five, ten, five to ten right. x. I mean, my, my background's in SaaS. So oh, awesome, yeah, awesome, yeah, yeah. Awesome, so that's, awesome. How, that's how I got started. I got started. So yeah, you were in tech software. sales, right? Huh? You were in tech sales. Yeah, I was in tech sales for yeah, awesome. so yeah, enterprise tech sales. Awesome, yeah, awesome. Like large, you know, SaaS applications to. Fortune 500 companies, and that's that's a good space. And so, are, are you looking to like as far as your go to market strategy? Are you looking to what build out a sales arm? Uh, yeah, have one? yeah, I already have a sales arm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, we have a we small but mighty team right now, okay. like three people. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's small right now, but we're 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 gonna grow. We're right. we're we're you know we've grown very fast at Lead Origin. Yeah. The thing is, one thing I, the thing is also you gotta remember, like I'm not just starting an agency to make money. I'm starting an agency for my businesses. Yeah. So quality is very important. Right. And uh, like we did over a million in revenue our first six months. Wow. Lead Origin, right? And we've uh, we've scaled like we're at like what forty three people right now on the team. And we've been operating for 18 months only. And yeah. we are managing over, you know, north of 100 uh, clients that own probably like 200, 300 businesses combined. Yeah. Right. So we've, you know, we've grown really fast, but we also have to ensure that quality is being reflected. And we, you know, so we're like, you know, at the moment, we're kind of like in terms of sales, like we've, we have a very strong sales background. So in sales, we kind of like slowed sales down at the moment yeah. so we can fix the other stuff before we, you know, commit to more work. Yeah. Right. And I, I know even, are you guys focusing on like SMB, like mid market size companies? Yeah, yeah SMB. Companies from, you know? uh, we want to start off with SMB. S the SMB space is heavily neglected. Yeah. And then definitely after that, I want to kick some legacy products out of the, out of the market. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The SMB space is crazy, especially out here in Houston. There's so many, you know, I mean, I mean, Houston has so many small businesses, yeah, right? And yeah. a lot of them are even behind the eight ball when it comes down to digital marketing. Yeah. And it's it's something that you, again, eventually like 10, 20 years from now, it's a necessity that these organizations need to have. Exactly. Because it's just like, it's kind of like, it's just like going back, you know, back in the day when our parents wore certain clothing, right? And big, you know, the yeah. baggy tees and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, now yeah, everyone's yeah. like wearing skin tight jeans, skin and, tight you know, jeans you know, and, and yeah. muscle shirts and stuff like that. And it's, it's just crazy just to see like how things evolve over time. Right. And even now to be, be even in this space to see, okay, wow, it's going to get more competitive. Like even when you see with uh TikTok, Right. And so, so what's your perspective about, you know, like, you know, applications like TikTok. It, I love them. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a great, it's a great application, but what do you see it over the next like 10, 10, 15 years? Do you think something bigger is going to come? That's going to, Oh, absolutely. TikTok? Absolutely. I mean, Vine 
existed at one point. And yeah, Vine, Vine was the best yeah, Vine was video great. sharing I love, I love platform. Vine. Vine was yeah. So, so nice and fun. And it's created so many, you know, powerful influencers that still exist till this day, like the right. Hall Brothers, yeah. King Bog, and whole I mean, that's just some people. There's dozens of people that have made millions of dollars through Vine and they've yeah. just, you know, they were able to grow and pivot and understand the market and change with the market. Right. So, you know, I just think um, yeah, there's gonna be somebody bigger. So be, you have to be very naive to not think so, right? Right. Uh who I don't know. Right, but uh, I had uh, I have a folder on my phone where it says apps to watch. And I've had TikTok there for quite some time before the pandemic, oh, nice. and I've been watching like it was. I had TikTok, I had Thriller, I had a few other video sharing apps, yeah. but I knew TikTok because of the name TikTok. It was just gonna, you know, I thought it was gonna really scale up, and yeah. I was uh, when it started blowing up. I was like. I was so yeah, happy. it blew up heavily during the pandemic. Yeah, everybody yeah. was on TikTok making TikToks. And yeah, everyone was on TikTok watching TikTok. The thing with short format video, it's it's gonna be it's one of the best ways to share content, right? right. And at the end of the day, digital marketing's backbone is content, right? Content is king. That's just what it is. Yeah. And uh, TikTok allows you to have what I love about TikTok. What I like about TikTok is a lot of people, you know, and a lot of brands, you know, of course, there's like, and traditionally, like when you wanted to do some sort of content, it'd be a commercial that's going to be televised to, you know, OTT, right? So you're going to go on, you know, you're going to go on all these different channels. This, that's where you make these heavy production videos. But the thing is, like, we have clients that make TikTok ads from their front-facing camera on their iPhone that generate a ROAS of like 15x. So they're like, wow, I just can't. I'm like, well, the market's changed. You know, people don't, you know, necessarily always need heavily produced media content. It's so accessible for people to really scale their businesses and their brands and et cetera because social media, it's supposed to be organic, right? It's just supposed to be, it is what it is, not supposed to be really produced and stuff, right? So it allows like a, it allows like a, a good entry level for a lot of individuals uh, that didn't have that ability to now be able to, because like when I started, you couldn't just take a front video and run ads on it and get 15x ROAS. Like yeah. we had to spend two, three thousand to get a commercial made for our YouTube ads and then push that commercial out. And then like what, like few four, four or five years ago, the market changed. Yeah. So what do you think? Uh, well, what do you, what's your thoughts about Snapchat? Is it, you think Snapchat is still going to continue? No, I think it's going to die out. It's already okay. dying out, right? It's already losing losers. Yeah. I mean, the thing I look at is like, you know, how many, I just look at the data and based off the data, I just don't think Snapchat, you know, unless they do some sort of pivoting change or some, sorry, not pivoting, unless they do some, some substantial change to their organization or to their product line and et cetera, they might survive. But I mean, he should have sold it when he could. <laughs> That's what I would say. Right. right, right. So like now entrepreneurs getting, you know, getting started in, in, in any, any space, you, what, you know, what platforms do you recommend for them to kind of really sell their business? At the moment, the best one for organic exposure is going to be TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, it's just what it is. Yeah. Uh, like Facebook's algorithm, Instagram's algorithm, all these other, uh, you know, platforms, algorithms are so, you know, heavily based on paid exposure. It's just, you can't go viral anymore, right? right? It's just what it is. Right. But with TikTok, it's still, you think it's still in its in its beta testing It's area still, it's going to it's gonna get harder and harder, just like any other application. Yeah, it starts it's gonna get, off, it's gonna get, everyone goes on, everyone gets a lot of exposure, all right. the creators love it. Yeah. And then as, as any business, you know, it is, you know, if you look at it, people call it, oh, they're becoming greedy. YouTube's becoming greedy, the D scale monetization, yeah. et cetera. But they're just running like a company. At the end of the day, they have to make money and where they see there are leverage, they're going to take advantage of it. I would, you know, like it's just business at the end of the day, right? Honestly, yeah, of course, if I saw a backlash, I wouldn't, you know, YouTube and the whole, they got a backlash, they didn't give a shit, right? Yeah. I would, you know, try to do something to get in the middle with being my creators, but that's just me. But they're operating like a business, so you can't really be mad. They're just, 
they they're doing what they have to do to survive. Yeah, no, that's right. So, so what kind of challenges did you have like building lead origin? A lot, man. It was a lot harder than I thought, man. It was. Uh, we started off, you know, and, and we still have these troubles. We still learn so much. Like I've probably made like three three big, you know, changes this week that are going to change the future of the company. Yeah. Right. So there's just a lot, you know, like yeah. it's a lot. Like it's uh, it's a uh, lead origin, man. It's been good, dude. I've been uh, it's been a lot of work. Been the last year and a half of my life has been very consumed by it. I'm spending 12, 15, 16 hours a day working. Yeah. Right. Uh, but it's like my backbone. Right. So I know right. this is like my foundation. I have to make it perfect in order for me to scale everything else. Uh, the challenges, I mean, in terms of challenges, everything from hiring people like we're listening, we're in Houston, Texas. Right. Right. Houston, Texas is not a tech oriented city. Yeah, right? no, there is nothing there's we don't have vcs like that. i think one of the got one of the founders of uh of cart.com which is one of the fastest growing or they yeah, raised they, they raised like 400 million dollars they're like right. this e-commerce all-in-one e-commerce platform that helps e-commerce businesses everything from marketing to their website to logistics to shipping etc and uh you know he also founded like arctic and the lion group as well and he started like a new vc at the canon over there in alpha i-10 but he's just not a tech city it's not a tech friendly city i mean i've been part of station houston i've been part of all the little startup stuff have you heard about the ion yeah, I, I, I just toured that space for an office there. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. It's a cool space. Yeah, it's just not, I don't think it's going to work out. <laughs> it's not gonna work out like it's uh like you go there's like chevron's the biggest office what the fuck does chevron have to do with startups right like you know there's there's just it's just not gonna work out like you know yeah, yeah. houston countless time over time they try to do these little things it doesn't work out yeah. things there has to be fundamental changes from the top down well, what about so what what about austin i mean austin's a huge tech hub we were i'm so, moving to austin actually oh you moved to austin yeah i have okay. at least signed and everything so we're actually moving so we're going to be moving elite origins corporate headquarters to austin and we are actually at the current moment we are moving our operational headquarters to an office off of uh the gallery area yeah no i gotta go to austin in a few weeks i love austin Austin's yeah. a great place austin's dope man i love i love going out there it's yeah. more of my vibe than houston is yeah uh you know there's a lot more things to do in austin i believe really yeah i, like this, I mean you grew up here right I, yeah I, mean, I grew up to here me, i feel like houston has so much you didn't grow up in houston no i grew up in florida so i'm, I'm originally oh, from Tampa, okay. florida. cool 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 yeah yeah so i moved to houston about like what like two and a half years ago oh shoot how do you like it i love it houston's great this yeah. is a great place i mean austin's cool too uh but i don't know it's not really like my kind of city i don't know maybe really? from a tech perspective yeah like i came to texas because of technology but i, just, I don't know austin's just a different kind of like a hit or hit or miss for me so. yeah no i like austin i'm i'm a very uh i like being outdoors i like yeah. i like the lake i like hiking right. i like uh i like the patio bars they have there yeah it's cool i like spot. the walkable i really like how it's a walkable city and yeah, houston is. is i hate commuting i hate driving I feel like driving is the biggest waste of my time yeah yeah but <laughs> well so what's your thoughts about was dallas on the radar dallas has a lot of like financial companies yeah dallas is really good for corporate yeah right it's really good for like if you're starting like a night like you know if i was starting like a, a financial services company where i was doing outsourced cfo services yeah. if i was doing like a healthcare startup or something like that yeah, might sense. be might go to dallas but what we're uh, sorry yeah dallas but what we're trying to do i feel like austin's to be the best city yeah. uh to be able to execute like my vision and that's kind of like why i chose to move there so would you would you recommend uh like most startups go to because I'm, I'm co I co founded Man, it's, too, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about when we open up an office, like what would make sense? Would it make sense to be? Well, go where, uh, go, go to Austin. Yeah. Or, or I'm just trying to think. I would say go where your talent's at, go where your customer's at. Right. 
You know, that's going to be your best decision. Where you can hire the best people to work for your exact startup. Where with city that supports your kind of startups. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's sitting in Houston. One thing I realized was, man, I should have started like a like an oil and gas startup. Or I should have started a healthcare startup. Yeah. Something where I would have a better support because we have a very strong uh, backbone of traditional business in it. Or a real estate startup. But, you know, yeah. I did like, you know, one of the things that if I could go back and change. Not, I'm, not, I'm not regretful ever. But if I go back and change, I would have made my company more. More oriented towards the city that I'm, that way I can scale quicker due to the resources that, are, that I have available, like talent, support, grants, uh, mentors, etc. You know, in Houston, like till this day, like I have a lot of amazing mentors in my life that help and navigate me and help me make decisions better. But I still don't have someone that has a strong background in technology, right? right. Because I, you know, don't, you know, as connected as you can get, you know, there's just not a lot of tech people here in Houston. Right. And, and I agree with that. I think, yeah, I had a friend of mine say the same thing. It's, it's different here. I mean, I don't really bump into people that are in the technology space. Right. And, and so it is, it's, it is different. Right. Because like, I know in Austin, everyone has a startup. Everyone's in. in yeah. Everyone's in like working. You can yeah. go to any bar. You overhear yeah, someone every, talking about something. Right? Yeah. Something like that. Right here. You don't really hear because everyone does so many different things. And it's just like that. I think mean, that's the big difference. Right. There isn't like a strong tech presence here. Yeah. in Houston. And so you think by moving to Austin, you're going to have the right support, the right resources. Absolutely. Not being in the right environment, I'll have other people that can like, I don't like, something happens in my company and I want to distress and I go out I can at least, you know, I don't have anyone to talk about it, right? Because right. no one will understand my pain points. Right. But out no there, one, you yeah, you know, know. There's, at least they don't understand they can at least resonate slightly with it because they're in a very similar environment or in a similar industry or such. Right. Yeah, no. So are you are you are you going all going to do? I'm assuming you're all on a hybrid schedule or more so like hybrid. You got people in the office some days and work remote, remote work or fully remote. My I have uh, so people all my all my staff in Houston reports to our Houston's uh, office every day. Yeah, and I have remote staff. That's from east coast to west i mean i have a team i have people in san diego i have I already have team members in austin i have team members in ohio i have team members in massachusetts I have team members of florida yeah. so we're our team is kind of scattered at the moment okay nice no so yeah and i think when, when do you go to austin our goal is q1 we have we were supposed to be actually already move, be moving into our new uh, offices here in Houston, but due to construction delays and stuff, we haven't been able to, and that's been pushed back by a month. So, right now, my fingers crossed in Q1 of next sure. year. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's a good point. So, really appreciate you taking the time to come out here. Uh, it's been great chatting with you. So, where people can find you? Absolutely, man. Everyone can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Zoe Patoli, LinkedIn, Zohe Patoli, Z O H A I B P A T O L I, and just take out the H I B for my social media accounts. Cool. And then one last thing, what, what advice would you give to, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs? Uh, just do it. <laughs> just like what Nike says. I mean, I know uh, it's scary, of course. I mean, I've helped so many and consulted so many of my friends, my clients, etc. starting their entrepreneur journey, but uh, just do it. Don't overthink it. You know, it, it started off small and scale it up. You know, if you have a job, part-time, whatnot. Uh, and honestly, that's just my motto in life. Just do it. Cool. You hear that, folks? Just do it. The brilliant ones.